Today's episode of Girls Like Us is brought to you by The Most Eligible Viscount in London by best-selling author Ella Quinn. In best-selling author Ella Quinn's intriguing new Regency trilogy, a dashing suitor must decide if love and marriage are mutually exclusive. This book is set in Regency England, so if you're a fan of Bridgerton, you're gonna love this book. Ella Quinn is the USA Today best-selling author of smart, spicy Regency romances, including the Worthingtons, The Marriage Game, and Lords of London series. Please be sure to check out The Most Eligible Viscount in London for all your spicy Regency needs. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Girls Like Us, the podcast that asks the question, what does a degree in literature get you with the answer, a podcast about books for children? I'm Franny. And I'm Sophie. (laughs) Sophie, how are you doing today? I'm okay. Um, I, for the first time, like, in uh, who knows how long, um, I drank a lot last night. Yeah. Um, So I'm a little... Because you're living that post-vax lifestyle. I am living the post-vax lifestyle. Um, I was able to hang out with some friends on a friend's birthday yesterday, which was really awesome. Mm -hmm. Um and play some board games and i what board games well we oh, played blockbuster blockbuster yeah it's a blockbuster board very game fun i like bought that for meg's parents like just as like a to go along with the game night dvd i bought them like as a theme and yeah. i was just like oh the container is cute and it, it's really fun i like it, it it is really fun that was the same thing actually nick and i were today like saying we gotta buy that because it's a really it's a really fun game it's a really good concept i'd recommend it if like because also you really don't have to be like a hardcore movie buff to understand it because the movies no. um, that you're asked to sort of access through the different little mini games are very like, yeah. you know, they're movies everyone's heard of for the most part. Exactly. And a lot of times it's like movies that you can, because um, it's kind of, there's a charades-esque quality sure, to yeah. it. So it's movies that you would sometimes be able to like, uh, you know, translate based on title rather than content. A lot right. Of the time. So it's it's a lot of fun. Buy it at Target. Target also has a game right now that's themed um, towards craft uh, foods, uh, including a Jello based uh, game called Jiggler Slap. Yes. What is up with that? I don't know. I looked it up. It had. I saw several reviews calling it the worst game of all time. Yeah, so. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, I know you have something that you want to talk about, but just real quick, I cannot stop. Like, my psyche over the past, like, five days has been consumed by thoughts about the, like, the rock band on TikTok where all of the girls have different colored hairs. Yeah, Yeah, the tramp stamps. Um, And they just released, you know, because they went viral, basically everyone clowning on them and, like... Mm -hmm today moments ago they released like basically a statement on instagram that's like um well so i didn't know this um but one of them like there's like racist past tweets Mm. and they were like the like grow up like people change um in that part of the statement but also, it's, like, I just can't, like, 
I'm just laughing really hard because it's like, just take your medicine, dude. You can't start at like be three white women and start a a band called the Tramp Stamps, right? And like try to go viral, and then like when the culture turns on you, like you can't release a statement that you sign off on saying, "Don't forget to water your plants." Where basically you call everyone sexist for criticizing your shitty music. Yeah, I think my my thing with the like discourse around it is like obviously, you know, not a good band, not punk, but but the main in- the main issue that people are having with them kind of seems to be like the industry plant thing, which I just think is not a that's not like, a thing. No, yeah, well, and and I think they are, you know, in that I think that they I believe that they are marketed, but I just like don't I don't think that's the best route to go on in terms of like the end all be all of one's morality as a musician, which is an industry that forces a lot of people to, you know, um, I guess sell their self in ways that they normally wouldn't, uh, is yeah. Is, and obviously like, yeah, that song was fucking dumb. It it goes against it goes with my whole uh issue of of Twitter jokes about like fucking guys and being like, uh I hate men. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Industry. And they're like 35 is the other thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they did call out the ageism that people are saying about them in this statement. Um, But no, I think like industry plant's not a thing. It's like industry plant is just having rich parents. And it's like everybody who has ever been successful in Hollywood save for like nine people. Right. I don't think think being an industry plant necessarily negates no authentic artistry i think it's a way of i get that that's like a like a privilege-based thing like totally but i just think it's interesting that people that's the number one critique of them is that their industry plants not that yeah you know, racist no. past or like or you know a song being uh fetishizing of non-white guys or yeah you know, it's, this yeah. um we all learn this in like seventh grade that like societies only begin to produce art when they have acquired like a surplus of goods, you know what I mean? Like enough for people to live off of. So it tracks that really like people who come from privileged, comfortable backgrounds can still produce art because they have never had to like occupy themselves with labor. Right. They have time to do it. Right. It's yeah. Just- I, I was honestly very bored with all that discourse. I well, don't it's know. Like, yeah, I mean, the thing about TikTok discourse is it's always being led by 16-year-olds who are discovering these concepts for the first time. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just more sort of interested, because I wasn't even privy to, like, the majority of the discourse. I, um, to me, it's, like, funny because of like every piece of music that i heard from them was like more appalling and like more of a twitter joke than the last yeah it it's truly like it is like an ai generated it and that's Based what on, i think like, is funny dana about donnelly it. tweets and then like <laughs> bikini kill and it, it right. mixed it together and it was like mm. yeah and the idea that like this is something that really bothers me that the idea of like quote unquote unfiltered conversations between women and when they say women they're they mean white well off women are somehow radical like this idea of being quote unquote unfiltered and it's like no the whole point of like existing in a society is to like acquire a filter yeah i don't know i think 
yeah, I honestly don't have a lot of thoughts on the situation. Just I just think it's I funny. Saw, I saw them and I was like, well, this is not a road I want to <laughs> no. go down on mentally. Sayonara. It's, it's like, I, for me, I, I would push back, I guess, that like, that like unfilteredness like is not always, I don't think it's always radical, but I, I think that it, it can be. And that's like what the original riot girl movement was about. I don't think. Sure. That, but I, but, I think, that, but I, I think that like, th- that's obviously being used as a marketing tactic. Right. Unfiltered has become a buzzword. Like you have like, there's like, um, some, I think it's Elisa Schlesinger. Like she has a series of specials called unfiltered. Like it's become like a, um, an well, accessory. We wa- didn't we watch her? It, like, doesn't she? Yes. Oh, like, yes. I have a China. That's the one, um, uh, Party Goblin. Mm. The one where oh, Yes, like, I remember Party Goblin font. Yeah, Party. But it's like, I just, I guess it's like, I, whatever, unfiltered as an actual concept, sure. But it's like, the I, the use of that word, in my opinion, is like a dog whistle to be like, I'm going to talk about my vagina. Yeah, but I think... I think that that is mostly coming from like entertainers though, in that like Chelsea Handler, like all these like comedians who their main thing is, is that they're women. Um, Right. I just, I like, but it's also like, I think unfiltered could be reclaimed to talk about like, you know, one's trauma, like all these stuff that like, in an appropriate space. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, I don't, I think that yes, the main uh, adjective that they're applying that to is, the main noun topic that they're they're talking about with that is is people's vagina sure and your yeah. period which and you know what that's fine i just think that we've the market has been oversaturated yeah no with vagina uh, vagina and dick and everything in between all right so let's i think we're beating around the bush because the discussion of the book that we read for this week is going to be a little bit it, you know, so neither of us had read this book before. Franny's quite familiar with this author, and I'm hoping she can maybe give us some insight as to like what the author may have been trying to access here based on like themes in her previous works. But um, the book is called Don't Even Think About It. The author is Sarah Mlinowski. But basically... I don't know. Like, Franny, do you want to give us just like a like an well, elevator pitch for this book? I'll say the reason that we, we chose it is because I was looking for descriptions of, of books to read. And this one, uh, I'd read this author. She is most, I think, notably known for Bras and Broomsticks, that series, uh, which I did really like as a kid. And she's also like in a in a literary clique with like Lauren Miracle and E. E. Lockhart. Like they've co-written books together. They have call outs in each other's books. Um mm. and you know, we've read some Lauren Miracle books on the pod. I'm assuming we'll either read The Boyfriend List or We Were Liars at some point. That would be a great summer read for us. We were liars. Sure. Um but sh- the reason that this book caught my attention was I hadn't read it before. And it's it the <laughs> the summary is basically these kids, after getting their flu vaccines, start to develop telepathy and weird side effects. So obviously, you know, we're in kind of the midst of our vaccine renaissance here in America. We're, we're amping up production every day. We're getting more, more shots in arms. And I was like, this would be an interesting little... <laughs> little fling through the world of vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both kind of, our interests were piqued by a vaccine related Mm -hmm. literature, something that feels pretty prescient as the novel was published in 2014. Um, But yeah, I guess like maybe give us like kind of a rundown on Sarah Mlinowski and like kind of what 
what her vibe is as a writer. So um, she she does tend to write a lot about um she is very much in that YA sphere of like like I said, like Lauren Miracle is a very like comparative author, but Sarah yeah. Midwalski tends to write a lot about supernatural happenings basically so okay uh bras and broom six is all about witches she wrote give me a call which um i remember really loving where it's this girl figures out a way to call her past self so she is really interested in like the supernatural side of things and i guess how that can impact one's teenage teenage dumbhood um and what i'm gonna say about this book and i don't know if you guys have kind of guessed it from like our tone today is that this book made me so fucking depressed yeah and not for the reason of anything like necessarily bad happening in it but it really like (laughs) you know and i hate to say the word triggered because this is a book for ya you know this is a book for teens like however it did trigger my ocd in the fact that basically the whole thesis of this book is your because these kids can start to be able to read each other's thoughts and the thoughts of everyone around them the thesis is the thoughts in in people's brains are true and that says everything about their personality and Mm. i i mean i would say because it's that's the way that they're gaining interiority and truth they're understanding more about each other's life and yeah yeah i guess i just didn't i didn't i didn't like get to that language but you're 100 percent right where it's like the idea, like, one of the main characters at the end of the book, he's like, well, while I remain telepathic, no one will ever be able to lie to me, which <laughs> yes. is like, no, but okay. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, to get real here, like, as as someone who, you know, is struggling and has struggled with OCD for so long, where my main thing is, like, my thoughts make me a bad person and dealing with intrusive thoughts and all that. This was just simply not a book that I, I enjoyed reading. Um, and it made me really like, like it did just make me feel bad and like, be like, well, you know, and not in any sort of like, and again, I know it's fiction and I know it's fake, but I, I'm really glad that I didn't read this like, right. Um, when my OCD kind of kicked in. You know, and it's not even, yeah. it's also not a very good book. And I do right. think she's it's a good also, author, but. Yeah, this book, uh, there's just a lot to be, there's like, basically this feels like the case of a book to bring it back to, you know, just the text itself. Mm-hmm. Like the, we, the kind of book we criticize a lot on this podcast as like working backwards from an idea about yeah. something like that the author was interested in. So like clearly she was like what if like high schoolers became telepathic, I guess, and like how would they use that? Yeah, and it's in exactly the way that that we would think that they use it, which is to essentially manipulate one another and to cheat on and to uh, cheat. tests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'm like that's fair. <laughs> right. But it is like so basically if we read just the a- intro to it maybe yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Because it's also written in first person plural, which I think is a very you know, and and I'm even saying this as someone like one of my like professors in college wrote a book in first person plural and it's even like her who's like one of like, you know, uh, a huge influence on me. I was like, this is just hard for me to get into. Like the we point of view, because it's it's very challenging to write it, yeah. first of all. And it's challenging. It's 
not fun to read. I don't I think. I think with these, this is like, whenever somebody chooses to do something like this, like some kind of unconventional narrative style, it's like, why? Like, yeah. there's a reason that it's unconventional. And it's because, and especially in a piece of young adult literature where it's like, you need to immediately, like, hit the, the right access point with the mm-hmm. reader. And, like, a 15-year-old, uh, let's think even younger, a 12 yeah. to 13-year-old, like, can't immediately pick up the book and be like, this is a stylistic choice that I'm sure will inform, like, you know, yeah. the work as a whole. Similarly to our Heaven Looks a Lot Like the Mall discussion, where we didn't really understand why it was written in free verse. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, I'll, so here's the, here's the intro. We were not always freaks. Sure, most of us occasionally exhibited freakish behavior, but that's not the same thing. Olivia Byrne, when she worried about something, picked the skin around her thumbnails until her fingers bled. This kind of reminds me of, and you know, if you guys are Patreon subscribers, you know that we just covered Sleepover, and the guy who directed Sleepover directed Sydney White, which I did watch last night for the first time, and I really enjoyed. It was it's uh, incredible. I was like, oh, this is actually a much better like moral message than I thought. Yes, but at the end of Sydney White, they're all like they all say stuff that makes them dorks quote unquote. And this is kind of the same thing where obviously in Sydney white, it's like, like the hot Prince charming, um, you know, analog character is like, I play video games and yeah. I'm a dork. So it's like something that is very common. That, right. Like, most people do like similar. It's like, I pick my nails <laughs> Yeah. when I'm nervous. I show that physically. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a it's freak. like, This book lost me right at that because I was like, here we go. Here we go. And the other thing that's interesting about Sarah Minwalski, um, at least the Bras and Broomstick series is based in New York City. And I guess that I, like as someone who, you know, I guess Cincinnati is a city, but I'm certainly wasn't, I wasn't going to school in like downtown Cincinnati. I wasn't walking from my house to my school. Like uh, I find some kind of narratives about New York City with teens a little bit hard to grasp, like, locationally for some reason. Like, I just find that environment kind of hard to get into because I don't have a lot of experience with it. This is also my thing. Why are these kids at the park at night? Yeah, get out of the park. Get out of the park. It's nighttime. Park closes at sundown. They keep being like, let's meet at the park at night. I'm like, whose (laughs) parents are letting them go to the park at night? That's like one of the top places you're not supposed to go at night as a teen. They live in Tribeca. um, And they are all preparing for this one girl's suite, which is what they call... um, or they say uh, she was she was going to wear clip-ons to her sweet 16 or her suite, as we called it in Tribeca, our little downtown corner of Manhattan. Yeah. Like, what is that? Is that that's that sounds like a very leasy thing where like she heard Sarah Minowski heard some teenagers refer to it one time as a suite and is like, that must be what all teenagers in Tribeca say. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically... Yeah, these characters get these flu shots and they start to be able to hear each other's thoughts. Our main kind of players in this book are Olivia, whose her characteristic is her mom has, here's another link, her mom has OCD and she's like, I hope I don't get OCD like that freak of my mom, but she's a hypochondriac and she wants to do a presentation for her class on Lyme disease, which I think is very funny because in the end of the book, she's like, actually, I'm going to present on Oprah instead. <laughs> and I was like, right. what was this assignment that you could switch? Well... This is the thing is like I would I would argue 
that Olivia is kind of our protagonist. Like, I feel like we spend the most time with her and Mm -hmm. she's the one who makes kind of the biggest change from the start of the book to the end of the book. And the whole argument basically is that she's a really like, they say in the beginning of the book, like she's never gone on a date because even holding hands with a guy, like she feels like she would throw up because she gets so nervous, so excited, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the book, instead of giving this like sort of hypochondriacal, um, presentation on Lyme disease because she's like you know terrified that she herself is going to contract Lyme disease she's like I'll give it on Oprah this confident woman and like the whole thing is that the telepathy and having the power over people to hear their thoughts has somehow granted her this like uncharacteristic confidence that will stick with her and it's like but that's disingenuous. Yeah, because and let's cut ahead to the end of the book. Basically, what happens is the CDC. This was like a very fun book for 2021. It's like, unfortunately, I know too much about the CDC now. Yeah, so they come to the school and we're, they're like, yeah, uh, you know, we sent the wrong batches of flu shots. So we came up with an antidote. And if you take it, you know, we'll give you 50K. Um and they're also claiming that one of the side effects is death because this uh, uh, the same tainted batch was sent to like a nursing home and some old man died of a stroke. Um, so at the end of the book, they all decide to keep their telepathy because they they want to use it as and, and like, but this is this is framed as like a good thing, right? And, and that, that's yeah, and like that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, right. like ethically, you should. Like, I don't know. They're like, basically, the argument is like the classic, you know, it's framed as the classic youth literature argument where it's like, well, even though this is weird and it's risky, it makes us special. So it's a good thing. And that's like what I didn't really get, which is like any other sort of superpower that they could have gained that she could have written into this book would be like, oh, sure. Yeah. Like, that makes you special. Like, don't. Teleportation. I don't know. Yeah. Or, like, being able to fly, whatever. Like, don't take the antidote because then you won't be able to fly anymore. Whatever. But the telepathy is exclusively used in this book, as Franny says, as, like, an apparatus of manipulation. Mm-hmm. And it's a power thing. And right. one of the, the so, okay, Olivia, she's the hypochondriac girl. Um, There's Mackenzie and Cooper. Mackenzie cheated on, they're both popular. Mackenzie cheated on Cooper earlier in the summer with a boy in her um, building Tess, who is struggling with liking her best friend, who's a boy, and like that boy not seeing her how she, he she wants him to see her. Um, and then Pi, who is like the number Ugh. two. Yeah, I know. Pi is the like number two ranked, um, you know, person in school grades wise. And her whole narrative throughout this is she's like, I want to be the only one to have this because I want the power. And it, it, this, I don't know, like, it's just such a... She's I, horrible. Yeah, yeah. She, and I like think, this... Yeah. And I feel like we're supposed to not like her, but it's, like, basically, yeah, this whole... the From the start, she frames the telepathy as having a power, having the ability. She's like, wouldn't this, like, wouldn't you guys want to keep this? Like, it'll be so helpful in our future careers. We can like, think use about, it for like, insider trading. <laughs> Yeah, like, legitimately. (laughs) And she was like, oh, like, let's, um, like, think about if you're a lawyer. Like, you'll always know, like, if someone's telling you the truth. Think about if you're, like, (laughs) All these things that, like, there's due process for that, like, you know. Right. And it's just, like, 
and I want to stay kind of criticizing it from the level of like what the writing is saying, because I feel like that's the way to challenge something like this in the most effective way. It's like, it's the classic example of somebody not fully sitting down and thinking about like, what am I actually saying by writing this book? Like, do Similar you want to land? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, do you Tyra wanna... knew. I guess Tyra knew what she was saying. Tyra 100%. Yeah, she was Tyra was like way more cursed. clued in. Yeah. Like, this feels like she wanted to write the telepathy thing, which is maddening to read, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's, it's a hodgepodge of, hodgepodge, whatever. I don't know what word I'm trying to say. Whatever. Of, uh, of voices. And it's very, and because of then also the first person plural narration, it just doesn't give you particular insight in any real way to one character or another. And that's kind of what they're trying to say. Yeah. That like, like in the narration, they're like, I went away a long time ago. Now we're a we because we're all constantly sharing thoughts. So it's like, it's hard to distinguish whose thoughts are whose, etc. But it's like, w- like, why? Like, that's the thing. It's yeah. not that entertaining to read. You clearly had some kind of fun idea about it. Like, what was she trying to access here? Like, is there anything in past books that we can maybe point to? Like, how is, like, well, supernaturalness used in past books to hint at whatever's going this, on? This is interesting because I would say in all of her previous books that I've read, um, these people have to learn to wield their powers responsibly. And I know in the bras and broomsticks, it's like, okay, like this girl is like, well, I want my prom dress to be red instead of blue. So she turns it blue. And the next day on the news, she's like, Oh, like this blue dress was stolen. Something like that. So she's, I know, but like something like that, where she's trying to um, understand, she starts to understand like, okay, like for my powers to be used in a real way, I have to be very conscious of how that's working. And then in right. So what you're saying, it seems like, and then in give me a call. She like is eventually like, okay, so I'm influencing my past self to make me as the future self happy. Like this isn't a way to live life. I'm kind of having an unfair advantage here. And as well as it's not fair to my younger self. So I'm going to cut off the call. So there's more of, there's certainly more of a, um, kind of an understanding of like the power dynamics, which I don't think right. that there is. Cause they're like, yeah, we're underdogs cause we can read people's thoughts. And it's like, no, actually that gives you an immense amount of power that should not be wielded. Right. And that's what it, like what it sounds like you're saying is that like all both, all of these like supernatural devices that you listed are kind of like metaphorized learning as a teenager. And I feel like this is one of the most like, like, underrated maybe lessons that you learn as a teenager like we don't see it depicted in media a lot but like learning in a very real way that your actions have consequences Mm -hmm. and not in like the childish way of like if you throw a tomato at the wall there's going to be tomato all over the wall it's like and i could have learned that let me tell you (laughs) whenever i throw a tomato at the wall i wish (laughs) i wish i learned that lesson yeah, but more in the realm of like, you know, you can hurt people, you're capable yes. of hurting people, you're capable of hurting yourself, things like that. And with this book, it doesn't get there. Like, I really didn't no. understand the ending of all of them, it being framed as somehow a more empowered choice to not take the antidote and to remain having this like really bizarre power <laughs> than it was to like, 
listen to the government and take the antidote. They're kind of like QAnon, honestly. They're like, we have the power and the knowledge and we're not going to take your stupid vaccine to cure it. Right. It's just like, it's bizarre. I don't know. There's also like... On a individual level, there's a bunch of really, like, you brought up the fact, like, that Olivia's mom has OCD and it's, like, framed mm-hmm. in a really sort of bizarre and, like, pejorative way. And, like, on an individual level, there's a lot of specific, like, dynamics represented in this book that are, like, cu- kind of questionable. Like, we should talk about the tests. The test yeah, situation. that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Like, so there's this girl, Tess. She's Mackenzie, the popular girl who's about to have her Sweet 16 party's best friend. And she is, like, a writer, I guess. And she's, like, in love Quote with her... journalist. Yeah, a 15-year-old journalist, which... Get a load of that. Um, internet. Uh, but she is in love, quote-unquote, with her, like, boy best friend named Teddy. Teddy. And... She also has, like, body image issues because her mom is, like, constantly telling her to lose weight. It doesn't sound like she's actually fat because she keeps talking about, like, losing seven pounds. She's what TikTok would call midsize. So, a.k.a. average. Like, (laughs) a.k.a. literally every single person. Yeah, every size Um, from, like, a size six to a size it's like, a size like four yeah it's it's just what most people are yeah like, <laughs> like you have yeah. size four chicks on tiktok like parading themselves out like i don't see my body type represented in the media a lot and i'm like what are you watching i would love yeah. to be watching what you're watching yeah i uh, just i don't want to like we don't have to fully derail this discussion to talk about that but i literally the if you call yourself midsize, I would really encourage you to like think about why you are doing that and like if you are like using that as like a way to distance yourself from like Plus feeling fat. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's also like I don't think it's necessarily um and we yeah, we yeah, I don't want to derail it either, but I don't think it's necessarily helpful in that midsize is not like a a, a size range of clothing and plus no. size is like plus size is being used as a signifier for this runs from sizes x to x whereas midsize is ju- yeah it is just a way of being like well i'm not skinny but i'm not fat i mean and i don't mean that like in a way to be mean to any of these girls because i think like that is a, a an issue is there's always going to be someone skinnier than you and that yeah. is something that is hard to internalize however i just think like as a cultural phenomenon it's probably like, I don't think it makes much sense in the long run. Because you're not going to go to a store only for midsize. No. You know, it's like, But well, that's where we're headed. Somebody's going to be like, I am a midsize fashion, like, uh, mogul. And I just make clothing in size 4 to 10. And right. it's like, oh, so, like, every So, like, most brands brand. except you you eliminated 0, 2, and 12, and 14, which is, like... Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, it's just, like... We don't need a hashtag for everything. No. Hashtag read a book. Um, so anyway, we I guess we can say comfortably that Tess is uh, midsize. <laughs> Tess is midsize, and I'm glad that we I'm glad that we have that conversation. Um, and so she like the whole thing is like she goes to a movie with Teddy after she gains the telepathic ability. And she realizes that he has a crush on this girl named Sadie, who also gains the telepathic ability. And then, like, 
she like uses this guy like her and this guy bj who's also telepathic basically concoct this plan that like they're gonna pretend to be interested in one another but so she seems unavailable it's basically bj forcing this plan on her it's, yes is yeah because bj's whole character is that he's horny a perv and yeah. he's horny and like this is the classic narrative of like the girl like they always try to be like sell us that this guy bj is like sensitive because he's attracted to like a girl who isn't like the conventionally attractive hero. You know what I mean? But he literally is like, well, your boobs are bigger. Yeah. So you're hotter. (laughs) It's literally like we were talking about in the sleepover Patreon episode, like the sort of inscrutability of being like, well, find a guy who likes brownies. And it's like, find a guy who is obsessed with the fact that you're fat because your tits are bigger. <laughs> find a guy who fetishizes it, okay? Exactly. And that's that's also like both her and Olivia kind of have the arc of they both like start to like dress up or like, you know, wear different clothing, present their bodies differently and they're all like, "Oh, like all these guys like think I'm cute. All these guys think I'm sexy." And it it's just like again, like when you're a teenager, that's the most flattering thing ever. Um, for some of us, is if a boy wants to fuck you. However, in the long run, absolutely not a healthy road to go down in terms of basing your self-worth on that. However, but they don't really get to that point because this guy likes her and then they they hook up at the end. And it's yeah. like, no, he like did like kind of coerce you through all these things. Like, well, why don't you just kiss me? Just kiss me to make him jealous. Yeah. And what I will say, the main point that I will give this book, like major props to this book, they define what hookup means. Yes. It means everything but sex. Yes. And in every other book that we like, Pretty Little Liars is the one we had the big issue. Yeah. Because they kept talking in Pretty Little Liars about how... Allie and Ian were hooking up. And it's like, when you're talking about a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old, you have to be specific about what you entail when you say that they're hooking up and they never do. But in this book, they say exactly what they mean. And for that, I thank Sarah Mlinowski. Which, and I don't, you know, like, as, like, someone, like, you know, I'm dating a cis woman. Like, there's no such... It's interesting to me when the when the definition is like, well, we're not going to have sex. But we're going to do everything but because I'm sure we've talked about this in before. But in some ways, like all these like oral sex, whatever, to me, that seems so much more intimate than penetrative sex to a certain point. So it is or as like or equivalent because that is sex to a lot of people is like. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's just very interesting no. the way that's framed because it's like, yeah, like I have sex with my girlfriend, but but no, like neither of us have a penis and that's okay. You hook you up know? with your girlfriend. I hook up with what girlfriend. you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, I'm like, I'm doing everything but with my girlfriend. So. Yeah, but that's the crazy thing. And like, I'm glad you pointed that out because I like, that's where a lot of the like, the internalized, I guess you could call it homophobia surrounding those things mm-hmm. comes from are these, like, this idea of, like, when this woman writes everything, hooking up is everything but sex, we all know what that means. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Not, they, she should have just said, like, oh, they did oral, but, you know. Yes. And I guess, like, I guess for, you know, if, if there's a, you know, cisgender male and female couple in high school, that 
penetrative sex might have more significance because of like i i guess like the pregnancy aspect of it like i know that that's kind of raises the stakes in some way however it's not addressed like that you know it's just like sex is this is so special because it's so special it's not like well this is more risky to engage with with the partner because there there may be the possibility of you getting pregnant right it's just like but it is like a very blase way of like centering straight relationships and like straight sex rather than you know it's like we don't even like it's such a sort of ubiquitous understanding of being like hooking up is everything but sex like Mm -hmm. the fact that that's like there's no further explanation needed there it's like it's uh, you know homophobic yeah we know what it means right yeah that is interesting i didn't uh, you know i didn't think about it like that originally but it is it's weird where it's like they can say hooking up is everything but sex but talking about oral sex in a book like this with a bright yellow cover yeah. like saying the word oral sex would be too much but they can say <laughs> yeah she can't, she can't be like he ate my pussy but we didn't yeah. have sex <laughs> right because it's like oh uh, like it's so weird like i don't like it when and maybe and we've talked about this on the podcast before and like this is might just be a me problem but it's like i really don't want to read about teens sex fucking. yeah between teens yeah <laughs> i don't want to read about sex period well i <laughs> cut don't. it off yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no and i think that maybe is her way of like distancing it of being like well i'm not gonna ha- have to write about sex between teens if i say that they weren't having sex but it's like but then like yeah again it's like then okay so they're doing like oral like that that is in its own way something I don't want to think about two teens no. doing that. So it's it's like you know if you're gonna if you're speaking to a teen audience because assuming that most of these teens the readers of this book are teens and not adults such as ourselves it's like well then <laughs> yeah. I I guess try to go into it more like sure. you're not really putting the stakes high enough for it, it just feels like a way to like get around her uncomfortableness as an author to write about sex between teens which I totally get but then it's just like don't include that then don't do it yeah, yeah that's a really good point was like. I I just feel like I'm having this sort of breakthrough right now with you saying the thing about like, you know, uh, having a queer sort of perspective on it. Mm -hmm. I'm having just a sort of like literature because by nature, like a book for a teenager is almost always going to be written by an adult. It serves as a really, really good, you know, we talk about it serving as like, you know, a good way to indoctrinate people like morally, ethically, all these things. But sexually, I feel like they're actually quite dangerous in a lot of ways because it's like, you know, you have these 40 year old women basically writing like loss of virginity, quote unquote, narratives that are like, based in the reality of, you know, 30 years earlier. Right, exactly. Yeah, I... And it it does like kind of devalue some of the, the you know emotional toll that can come with having these sexual experiences at a young age. Exactly. Like oh, like, it's just hooking up. Like don't get right. Don't get your panties twisted about it. It's like well, you know, <laughs> this girl was literally getting and part of my language, but she was getting face fucked by a guy who ultimately was disrespectful toward her, and like that's traumatic. Yeah. It is but dramatic. the fact that the language is not this fifteen-year-old, yes, literally yeah. a fifteen-year-old. It's it's like, wow. I mean, that's just hitting me. That's really 
that's really traumatic that she, you know, like, yeah, uh, that's horrible. Um, but anyways, let's talk about sexuality in this book on a wider, in a wider sense. Yeah. There's one is, gay kid, right? Is is the gay kid the same guy who works at a candy store? <laughs> there are like some not. characters who are like given just like one personality trait because we don't really see their perspective. So one of them is like, he works at a candy store and has bad teeth. Um, takes Adderall is one of the others like and they keep okay this is something I wanted to address they keep saying that taking Adderall is cheating which is like not is everybody with ADHD cheating yeah because that's another big part of it is the they um they do cheat like that's a huge thing is that they're all like well let's just take this test together might as well um, what did you also think of like the view of the teens kind of reading the adults thoughts? Cause one of them is like one of the, the, you know, Olivia is reading the nurse's thoughts and the nurse is like, I gotta go pick up some condoms on my lunch break. <laughs> I was like, what? I gotta She's get like, a I have to have French enough- maid. Outfit. Yeah. She was like, I hope I have enough condoms for tonight. <laughs> okay. How many condoms is a person using in a night? And she's like just really me. bad at like putting them on. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's like, oh, well, man. I'll definitely break at least four for every single one I actually get to use. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is like the adult sexuality, mm-hmm. like filtered through the teens reading their minds and then presenting it to the reader is cartoonish in a way that is like <laughs> okay, the bizarre. wait let me find the sex scene let me find the sex scene between the parents so this is the main girl or the the popular girl Mackenzie um this is the first night she has her ESP uh and she's saying goodnight to her parents thanks honey her mom said good thing Mackenzie is such a sound sleeper huh Mackenzie wondered why is it good I'm a sound sleeper her dad patted her mom on the leg I can't wait to take off Linda's robe huh Oh, no. Mackenzie slammed her eyes shut. Her parents were going to have sex. Sex! Eminently! And we should note that it's transferred, quote-unquote, through their eyes. So if you close your eyes, you can't hear other people's thoughts and they can't hear yours. Okay. Mackenzie closed the door and got in her bed. That feels so good. No, 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 no. They were on the other side of the wall. This wasn't supposed to happen. Mackenzie uh, shut her eyes. Silence, thank goodness. Maybe she could get a glass of water. Mackenzie opened her eyes for a split second, but then heard her breasts look huge in that position and immediately reclosed them. And that's what I what I searched in the ebook. I searched position because that line was so. Yeah. Um. So I I have a question for you, Franny. Yeah. Have you ever, while having sex, had the time to sit and think to yourself, "Wow." Meg's breasts look huge in that position. Absolutely not, never. Who has ever, like... This was another big issue that I had with the book. And I mean, obviously, like, I think during sex, like, one's mental uh, capacity is, like, your, I think your neurons are firing all over the place. And like, I don't know, like, I'm, I don't think I'm thinking in full sentences during sex, no. but I think I'm not really thinking in full sentences ever. So exactly. that, that was my main issue with this book. Exactly, exactly. It's acting like everyone's everyone's like brain or like thought pattern like the thought pattern really like if you were telepathic and you could read people's minds it'd be fucking maddening because everyone's first of all i believe that everyone's thought pattern is um individual to like how your brain develops and thinking more in images or like there there are certainly multiple ways that one's internal thought monologue could be 
Yeah, and, like, sporadic and totally, like, and layered. Like, I don't believe that it's, like, an individual thing. Like, I believe that different parts of our minds are doing different things at different times. So you're not thinking Nick's breasts look... <laughs> Nick's, Nick's mold, breasts look so Nick's balls big. look so huge in this position. Right, like, that, like, bothered me because, yeah. it, like, I don't know. And, like, maybe I'm a fucking, like, asshole who can't have fun, but it's, like... When you're writing a book for children, depictions of sexuality should be accurate. They shouldn't be, like, porny, but they should be, like, they should be honest. Like, nobody, like, nobody's dad is, like, hubba hubba, like, my wife's tits look so big while I'm sticking it in her. Like, no. <laughs> Sex oh, there, is, like... And there's so much, like, kind of, um, uh attention placed upon breast size in this book too when it's like it's if you're married to someone if you've been having sex with this woman for so many years like you're not like oh big boss you know yeah it's just like you're like "Uh, uh, oh i think your thought or your thoughts are like you know i think for most of us I, I don't think my thoughts are entirely on sex when I have sex. I, it's like, okay, well, lunch tomorrow. And not in a bad way. It's just the brain does what the yes. brain wants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, day-to-day things are different. Like, And I think the- that's, that's kind of our issue is that that I think we find in a lot of books that, that we read for this podcast that sex is underplayed as a negative thing and overplayed as a positive thing. And obviously sex is an important part of like so many relationships, like mine included, but it, okay. Brag. Yeah. But, but it's like the, the, these books really do treat it as an end all be all for positive things, but then they don't, they don't um, show the, the impact that it can have when, when done it, when one is not ready. I guess like, the the thing that, like, you really don't, like, the big secret that nobody ever tells teenagers is that, like, sex is a boring, normal part of your right. life. Yeah. It like, because, anything like, it's, else. It's great, but, like, yeah, that's the thing is, like, you're not, like, having stars explode in your head every time you have sex. It's nice and it's right. great, but it is just, you know, and I think I forget who hypothesizes or who said it but like sex neutrality much like body neutrality is a great way to look at it because it's like it can be good or it can be bad and that's okay like it's not necessarily an action that needs to have like such strong expectations whether those be positive or negative attached to it and that's a lot of what sets people up for failure within within sexual relationships that's the thing is it's like as soon as you start like like, any sort of prescriptive notion of sex where it's, like, well, like, every, like, once a month, I feel like you see, like, you get, like, your little Apple News notification that's, like, new study says that, like, um, couples who don't get divorced have sex three times a week. And it's, like, that's so confusing to me because it's, like, I don't even know, like, if you're counting the number of times you have sex per week, like... Who does that? Like, it's like uh, you and then as a child, you see all of those things and you're you yourself are not having sex. So you have lots of hopefully (laughs) time to um, build up in your head thinking about like what a positive sexual relationship is going to look like with you when it's like, really, it's just like, like, I don't fucking know. I can't remember. Like, I don't know. It's it's weird. And I I think part of that, too, is it's like it's not. 
I, I would assume this would be my hypothesis. It's like, it's not because of the act of sex itself that, that these couples stay together. It's because that's kind of like, uh, that's like a capsule of time when you're not, you know, looking at your phone and you are spending time like directly with one another. So, yeah. And obviously like there are like, you know, couples who are asexual who don't have sex and who stay together and who love each other. And so it is like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be the magic key in so many, the way that we as a media, uh, kind of treat it it's it's more of just a um it's a neutral activity that can right. be positive or negative and that's fine yeah and because humans I, are obsessed with sex and a lot of that i think is american culture obviously yeah. Yeah, and i wonder i would like i would love if we have any like uh listeners who are not from america who kind of have any thoughts on what the com this convo is like in in other countries because i do think a lot of this is right. americans have a specific love hate relationship with sex that's very i don't know hyped up yeah it's just like strange it's like the the mixed signals of it all where like we hear about the teens hooking up in this book but then also we get these like i would say graphic you know sort of thoughts from the parents of being like <laughs> her titties look huge or like they're watching a movie as a family like one of the one of the um kids is watching a movie with his family and his mom thinks to herself during the movie oh i wish like my husband's abs <laughs> yeah. looked more like this guys and i'm like this is just so unrealistic. This is not what a marriage is. Like, nobody in a... Like, you don't think of your partner as, like... like Edward oh, my God, I would love from more Twilight. Abs. Like, that's the whole point. It's like, yeah, yeah Edward is unattainable. And it, and then, because all of the parent couples that we see represented in this, because there's Cooper's parents, um, who's the boyfriend of Mackenzie, who she cheated on, they're getting divorced, and he realizes that because he reads his dad's thoughts, and he's like, oh, my gosh, the dad is, like... Um, you know, having an affair in Chicago and I can't wait to see her again and I can't wait to get my hands all over her. So there's really, and then Mackenzie's parents, it's like their whole thing, it's not even like, oh, they love each other. It's like, no, they, they want to fuck all the time. So there is like an understanding of adult relationships as almost purely being about sex when I would say yes. that in most like marriages, that's probably the opposite. Like you you get married for many other reasons other than sex. Yeah, I just like, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's like, that's such a troubling thing. And it is a lesson that everybody has to learn in like an adult relationship is like sex is a, you know, it's a part of your relationship and it's, it can be a big part of your relationship, but it's also like, it's something that like every other part of your relationship, like is another, it's a moving part. It's yes. something you work on. It's something that could be this one of many going well blocks. and, next month not going well and yeah. like it fits into a larger matrix of like the economy of your relationship and the economy as a whole condom prices are are going up and up <laughs> yeah and i can't get enough of them because every time i try to put one on it breaks i go through at least four trying to get one good one that was also funny because she was like i need to go to cvs and buy condoms during her lunch break i was like can't you get them after work like girl are you oh someone said they had to go back to stripping was it her was she like I might have it to was. go back to stripping. Oh my gosh. That also like that's just a cheap joke. A yeah. cheap like uh, like horophobic joke that's yeah. like it doesn't like like it doesn't add anything. It's like haha, these kids are horrified to learn that their teacher used to be a stripper and it's like 
What is that like you are using? And that's why I take such issue with this book is that it really feels like she found these like plucky little slapsticky jokes of the telepathy, like, mm-hmm. you know, having to hear your parents fuck or having to hear your <laughs> Gideon nurse. to hear your parents fuck. <laughs> Excuse me. Getting uh, oh, just <laughs> think about your nurse buying condoms. These are yeah. privileges and they should yeah. take them as such. <laughs> And, like, working backwards from that to be like, but what's at the emotional heart of that is just, yeah. it's fucking stupid. Also, just write a short story. And and not to keep talking about the parents having sex, but guess what? Please. A lot of kids don't need telepathy to hear their parents having sex. Pers- I'm so lucky I've never experienced that, but I am I am sure. Um, oh, I, I remember at a cast party for something, I went upstairs and I saw some people's parents having sex. They were weird parents, obviously, because they let this cast party happen with, like, drinking and, and weed, like, in their backyard. But I, I am remembering this now. Wait, I, I, my heard them. On the floor. I heard them, like, like moaning. Unless it was, like, but I'm pretty sure it was her parents. My jaw is on the floor yeah. because that is sick in a, in a way where it's, like, Literally the least horny thing I can possibly think of is having a bunch a of teenagers in my house. Like, like, aren't oh, you sorry. So, oh, do you have an extra sleeping bag? Like, like, put yourself in those people's shoes, Franny. Of yeah. like, I would be so nervous having children in my house. Period. Like now, I see right. why parents get so enraged when the child parties in their house because it's like that's your. You are liable for that. Yes. Like yeah. So think about like. Being so, like, I don't know, like, into it, I guess, that's yeah. happening in your house that it fires you up to fuck. Like, that is, that is, like, really dark. This, that's really dark. I mean, there is, like, a weird, like, okay, I'm not going to be a parent, um, but I think that probably the best way to do it is to concretely be like listen like you know i know that you might have the chance to like experiment with alcohol or drugs here's what i want you to know about staying safe you know and i know that this would not be my choice but i can't really control you to a point versus being like providing it and that's kind of what these parents were doing and that's it's a big issue it's It's like you you had children because you want to have friends like that's what it seems like yeah and famously both of us have enough friends already yeah so we don't we're like popular so like we don't really get that like yeah i don't (laughs) yeah wait yeah it's like i remember as a teen being at like the you know houses where parents would provide alcohol and always being like do y'all not have anything better to do? Like it's my weird. parents are out at a really nice restaurant tonight and then they're going to go see Wilco and they don't need to <laughs> be at home partying with teens. Yeah. Aren't your parents at the best exotic Marigold hotel at the, at the Esquire? Right. Like, come on now. Your Aren't parents going to like know- check out Brio bar and grill after. Yeah. Like, hold on. Are your parents not uh, NPR gold level members so they're not at Ivor Glass's private talk about the making of cereal the podcast tonight bro do do have both of our parents had the experience because my dad met also met Ira Glass at like a random but I think it was at a different it was like at the Aronoff it was like before no it was at the Aronoff it, oh my that was at the Aronoff like six years ago wow yeah so you know what yeah parents if you're thinking about buying alcohol for, and you know what, it's obviously like, I do think it's a different story when it's like, okay, like I'm going to let my kid have a beer with me versus I'm going to buy alcohol for these children who could drive home. And like, that's the thing. It's like, if one of those kids like got in a crash, like you as a parent, even if you're not like legally held responsible for whatever, that would be a guilt that would haunt me the rest of my life. Yeah. It's like, I just don't get, 
I genuinely, I guess I might, I might, you know, to go full galaxy brain on this, maybe I might envy these people for their sort of like, you know, as we talk about on the pod, often we envy people who aren't critical thinkers. Right. Because like, it must be nice to like, not go to bed worrying every single night that like some minute action you've done has killed someone. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Yeah. So the, this, the way that the adults are portrayed in this book also, kind of bugged me in that it was like, these adults are dumb because we're reading their thoughts. And it's like, well, no one's thoughts should be read because that's like not what makes a person. And I think right. that's at the core of it, like, you know, OCD stuff aside, like it's like the idea that that this book was kind of spousing that people's thoughts are what reveal them as a person. That's the main part of them. That is just not true as a human. Also right, the idea that I, humans think in complete and full sentences, which yeah, is also not true. That's so stu- but I think I think your perspective relating it to like OCD is really helpful because like that's not like I I definitely like thought about yeah. that kind of. Like I thought about like you know, the fact that, you know, our our thoughts don't fully reveal us, but I didn't take it to that next level of being like that's actually harmful yeah. because a lot of people experience thoughts that are like actively harmful to them. Right. And, and yeah, exactly. And most people do. It's just those of us with OCD, like are not able to let those go in a way that a lot of people do. So that's even to take it. Yeah. To another level. It's like everyone has thoughts that like are like weird or that are intrusive or like, yeah, I'm going to throw myself off this bridge to like use a classic one. It's like everyone has thoughts like that. And so Let's say you're like walking on a bridge, you think that, and then someone, one of these freaks, these 10th grade freaks hears you and they're like, oh, I guess they're suicidal. Like I should check them into a hospital. You know, like it's like taking that, it's like this, it's a very like black and white way of understanding these people's thoughts. I don't know. And I get, and there is like a little bit of being like, oh, well, I can't control if I think, if I think you're fat, like I can't control if I think you need to lose 10 pounds. But that's not on a different level of like, it's like, well, I can't control if I want to like think about accidentally murdering someone. (laughs) But it also, that idea isn't interrogated at all of like, we actually like, you know, are responsible to an extent for checking our thoughts and for interrogating our thoughts to a healthy extent. Right. Of like your, your prejudices, basically. Exactly. Prejudices is a a better way to put it. We're like, you know, Mackenzie keeps thinking to herself that Tess looks fat. And it's like, she's like, well, I can't help it. I can't help that I'm thinking that. I really don't want to hurt your feelings. But like, I I do think you're a fat cunt. So. Right. And I cheated on my boyfriend and he, this guy ate my pussy. So. So. (laughs) I know you have my sweet 16. Yeah. And she gets no comeuppance whatsoever, except for her boyfriend dumping her in like the nicest way possible. Um, but yeah, like that, I, I, the idea that this could have been, I guess, whenever we get frustrated with a book, it's because it could have been better. Right. And I see the idea that it's like, oh, like that is interesting. Yes. But were she to take it down a path of like, not all of the thoughts that we have are good and true. Let's interrogate that. Yeah. But instead, like it, it is like, well, it is true that she's fat, but that should be okay. You know, it is true that she shouldn't eat a cheeseburger, but like yeah. she should only oh. eat a cheeseburger once in a while from to Shake treat Shack. herself. Yeah, that was crazy. Anytime, like, why are these bitches so addicted to chocolate this milk? Narrative? <laughs> yes, this narrative of being like, 
And today, she will have the cheeseburger, and she won't feel bad about it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just... Now, first of all, the whole, like, cheeseburger view of one's diet, like, I get it, okay? Like, yes, did I, like, look at the Portillo's menu the other night, and then I looked at the calories on, like, a hot dog with everything, and... Or no, actually, I looked at the calories, and this is fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this, but I had... I was just, like, that was not what I needed nutritionally that night. It's like, I guess I don't need, actually, a 700-calorie, like, like chocolate milkshake. Um, But it's not... It's not the idea of... For me, you know, not having that 700 chocolate milkshake was like I was shocked by the amount of calories, but it was it was less like, well, this will make me fat. Just it's like, well, I just like went on like a, you know, one and a half mile run. I don't need to like eat chocolate like that's not what my body is craving right now. But they do really do it as like, well, it's okay to celebrate with a burger, but you can't have it all the time. It's just odd. It's like, why do you feel, why are you so interested in policing that? It's such a weird yeah, thing. Yeah, who cares? Like, yeah. literally, who cares? Like, and yeah, and that's like, I would, yeah, it, I do like believe in like intuitive eating and that you really just should do what your body like is hungry for. And sometimes you're hungry for fucking red meat. And like, but this is the thing is like, I'm not even talking about like necessarily the politics of it and like mm-hmm. the idea of like what, you know, because obviously like whatever, but like, mm-hmm. The, like, why are you taking up space in your book where, you know, space is precious, space is money, with weird shit like that? Like, it literally, it's just off-putting. I would have much rather... Okay, so if we're going to, like, think about ways that we can improve this book... So, one of the interesting things that, at the end of her book, she has this, like, Q&A session with all these other authors... And one of the things is that she was originally going to do it only from Olivia's point of view. And then it was like, oh, well, I should expand it to everyone's point of view. No, I think it would have been much more interesting if it was just one person. Another thing, uh, you know, that she wrote in one of these interviews is um, uh, that she wanted someone asked, what's your secret to writing about high schoolers? And she says, Uh, I try to talk to a lot of teens, read a lot of teen books and magazines, and watch a lot of teen television shows and movies. That's to stay current about what 15-year-olds are thinking. And not um, at all, because I think Josh Hutcherson is adorable. Team pedo, woo! So I was like, okay, well... (laughs) There's clearly, like, some some fucking weird shit going on in this woman's brain. Yeah. And that's that's quite revealing to me. And I think we can wrap up our discussion Mm -hmm. there because that's pretty revealing to me as to, like, the sort of things that she's interested in conveying. Well, and again, it's, like, even, like, in that, like, nonfiction, she's, like, because he's so cute. And it's, like, this, it's just, like, a very, like, uh, superficial way that is, I don't, and again, like, this is what we're talking about, like, is Channing Tatum hot? Like, we are not, most humans do not think this way and. Well, I guess that's that's not necessarily true. Many humans do not think this way in terms of attraction, of it just being like, oh, abs, CW show. Like, it is very yeah. this, like, CW show understanding of sexuality and desire, yeah, it is. and it's just not accurate, I think, to most teens. Well, what it is, is it slips into, and it's the same thing, I'm so glad you brought up the Channing Tatum of it all, and that we can keep this as kind of like a through line yeah. and a way of testing authenticity, because it's like... It is the, it's the dissension into the uncanny, into the Mm -hmm. parody of, like, it's close enough to reality, but it is ultimately, like, a campification or a parody of reality to be, like, like, 
you know, maybe a group of 12 women was like, we love Magic Mike, we love Channing Tatum, he's so hot. And then that became a dominant enough thought that it was like, all women love Channing Tatum. <laughs> Here's a BuzzFeed list of the top 10 12s, ch- top, top 10 times Channing, Channing Tatum Tatum's ass or bay. Like, <laughs> we all loved Magic Mike. Uh, a movie that was so poorly color graded, Franny had to turn it off. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looked so bad on her TV. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh really said, fuck you to color correcting on that one. I yeah. definitely see. But yeah. Oh my God. I, I forgot mean, he directed that. Yeah. We he's, cannot he's forget. He's all over the place. That man has his fingers in so many pies, and directorial I, pies. And that's okay to me. Yeah, good you know for what him. I mean? One for, one for you, one for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just like, you can't let your book become a parody of emotion rather than depicting emotion itself, especially when it's, when it's about, targeted to teens. And especially when it's talking about like telepathy in like, quote unquote, like gaining access into people's true thoughts and desires. Sure. Which again, another, you know, uh, I, I hate that it wraps up with them being like, we're going to keep this. <laughs> sucks how will you ever have an equal relationship with someone who doesn't also have this power yes yes like how How will there ever be consent truly like literally literally that is and i feel like you know it's so classic us to bring it to consent bring it to like this idea of like you know having equal power in relationships but it is true it's like right it's so like like the ethics of it, you're getting into really murky ethics that you are not interrogating. And the whole point of writing a book is to interrogate something. Right, exactly. Yeah. Were we talking about something where someone switched bodies and we were talking about the ethics of that? I think we were, but I want to save, I want to table that conversation because I where there's a book where we want to do okay, that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, All right. Well... I think you guys got it. Sorry, this was kind of a downer. I mean, it wasn't a downer F. This was just, this was not as fun as Pretty Little Liars, of which we will have the uh, book eight, which is like the first arc finale. The second arc finale. The second arc. But this was supposed to be the original ending for the whole series. And then she continued to write it. Yes. Um, So we will be talking about that next week. It's Uh, very, I'm so excited. You already read it. Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to probably read it again. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I can't wait. This is... You know, we had to kind of take a step back this week and do this book, and um, but we're forging full speed ahead next week, and it's going to be great. And we should also mention, and I'll put this in the links, but um, if you guys have suggestions for episodes on on pretty much anything, we finally made a Google form for it, so we can just kind of have all those answers in one place. Um, you know, if you've DM'd us before, I would suggest just submitting that way as well, because, you know, that those get kind of messy to organize. So Yeah, put it all in one place. Yeah, so we're um, just going to link that. And yeah, we already got a ton of great suggestions, and we're really excited to kind of pick and choose from those. Yes. And then also, uh, you, you guys are hearing this on Monday the 19th. Tomorrow for you, Tuesday the 20th, we are appearing on... Um, the Shit She Read podcast uh, with Allie, one of our uh, Frolic Sorority sisters, mm-hmm. who um, we discussed the click book two with in a really exciting way. Her podcast is incredible. Yeah, um, it's fun. Check it out. Um, but yeah, our theme song is by Leggy. Like we said, we're a member of the Frolic Sorority of podcasts. You can check out our sorority sisters at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can check out our website at girlslikeus.show. There's our um, Google form is embedded there. So mm-hmm. now it's a really great time to go check out the website. 
and it's cute find check us. it out it's cute check You'll it like out it. we pay like ten dollars a month to keep it up <laughs> um make make our troubles worthwhile i guess is what i'm saying and also check out our social medias twitter and instagram at girls like us show all right see ya bye